There's a tremendous sense of uncomfort in Pinback's self-titled debut. The lyrics are repetitive and vague, the instruments sparse and hollow. Through 12 songs, no clear narrative is constructed, only a sense of pain that lingers throughout the entire record. That uncomfort manifests itself into something beautiful, however. Pinback's self-titled album brings people together. It causes them to listen closer and to feel more. Because after all, it's an art school album. My guest today has his debut album coming out with the band Same on May 8th. The album is titled Plastic Western. You can currently stream singles such as It's Lonely and Doggy Hell and Bluish. And on May 8th, you better listen to the entire album. My guest today from the band Same is Jake Stern. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for uh, talking to me tonight. Thank you for being here. It's exciting that you're here. You picked an album that I was completely unfamiliar with going into the podcast, but I've listened to it. I've studied it. Uh, We'll break it down track by track in just a little bit. But before we get to that, growing up, what sort of music was in your house? What was some of your first explorations into sound, if you will? Yeah, sure. Um, Some of my earliest memories listening to music are listening to uh bob marley album tough gong in in the car with my mom um she was a big uh reggae fan so she always had bob marley in the car and i think conversely she also had uh bob she had a bob dylan cd in her car i can't remember which one it was but we listened to that one a lot too um and then you know, in terms of early music, I fell in love with, you know, some of the first music that I heard. So I'm the youngest of three siblings. I have an older sister and an older brother. Um, so I think at some point my brother brought BNL, Bare Naked Ladies, into the house. And we we sessed Bare Naked Ladies really, really hard. And, and think, who wasn't at the time? I mean, how could you go wrong with any Bare Naked Ladies album? Abs- absolutely. And I still find myself coming back to them every um, every once in a while, you know, especially my girlfriend. You know, she's also a BNL fan. And I, I, I found myself coming back to a live album they made. I think it's called like it's called Rock Spectacle. And I find myself thinking about that album so often, and I consider it to be like the perfect live album. Was growing up in a house with a lot of reggae music in the background, did that sort of chill everybody out? Because I did not have that experience, and I feel like maybe my house was a little more high-strung than it should have been. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think that it definitely played in a little bit. I think it's kind of funny cause that's just, that's very much who my mom is. Um, you know, she's definitely very easygoing, kind of go with the flow. Um, I'm, I don't know if it necessarily made the whole house really chill, but I think it definitely, um, yeah, I think, I think my mom was definitely pretty chill at the time. <laughs> <laughs> So you start branching out at that point. You hear some bare naked ladies, obviously a formative moment for anybody at that point. Uh, hearing bare naked ladies and not hearing or and, and I guess afterwards sort of changes a person. When at that point do you start venturing out into like this is my music collection and where are you picking up on on these new bands that you like? 
Yeah, so so much of um, the music that I listened to um, back in the day, and I guess still kind of today, um, you know, comes from my older brother, Max. Um, I think so then kind of when I first first started to branch out um, or listened, you know, to other music besides BNL and Bob Marley um, was I think when I think Max had started bringing around CDs. He brought around Weezer CDs. I remember having the Blue Album, Pinkerton, and Maladroit around. One of the few people, um, to, few people to own Maladroit. Congratulations on that. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you, thank you. It's an honor. <laughs> yeah. So I remember listening to those a lot. I think the first CD that I went out and bought myself was Less Than Jake's Losing Streak. Solid, when I uh, solid pick. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I got into ska pretty, uh, well, pretty soon after my brother did. I think when he was, I think, a freshman in high school, he found out about ska music, started playing in a ska band. And then as the little brother, I, you know, followed suit, started listening to ska bands. Definitely bought the Less Than Jake CD. I remember I also had a, I think it was, it was a White Stripes I don't know if it was an album or a set or something. I think it was called like White Blood Cells or maybe. Yeah, yeah that, is a, yeah, that is a White Stripes album. Yeah. So I remember, I think my brother had gotten me that CD around the same time. And I remember another big one that I that I bought was By The Way by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And definitely still to this day, I I think that's a fantastic album. I was just thinking a few days ago about how strange it is that the Red Hot Chili Peppers exist, period. Just the fact that they have <laughs> been around for as long as they have now, they've turned into like a legacy act that I don't know. I feel like there's going to be people, you know, 20 years from now, even you know, if the Rolling Stones can still go, I guess the Red Hot Chili Peppers can still go, which doesn't make sense in my mind, but I'm glad that there are people out there for that market, I guess. Uh, you had mentioned your brother, uh, Max Stern, who just put out a tremendous uh, solo single, uh, a member of the ba uh, band Signals Midwest, who I'm a huge fan of. What's it like oh, growing cool. up with a brother uh, that does kind of the same thing as you, that's also in the same scene as your band? Yeah, you know, it's really it's really cool. Um, and, you know, and it's largely... Um, yeah, I mean, just thinking about, you know, why I started playing music, you know, all of the bands that I started listening to, um, you know, so much of it came from Max. You know, when I first started playing guitar, Max was the one who was teaching me. Um, my friend Brandon started playing guitar and taking lessons from Max, and I was like, oh, you know what, I want to do that too. So I just started taking lessons from him too. Um, so I mean, it's been really, it's been really amazing having having a brother who's in the scene as well. Like, he's opened so many doors for me. You know, just from you know tours that I've you know tried to book. Uh, you know, later on after I had kind of started some of my own bands. You know, using contacts that I had made through him. Um, you know, that stuff like that. You know was definitely made a lot easier and I was pretty much immediately from a pretty young age kind of exposed to the Cleveland DIY scene and then later on you know the Pittsburgh DIY scene because that was pretty much the closest adjacent one 
Yeah, absolutely. So today, uh, I had reached out to you and said, you know, pick an album, let's talk about it. You picked Pinback's self-titled album from 1999. Why is this the album you brought to me? I brought this album to you because I consider it to be a really big influence uh, on myself um, in terms of my songwriting, my guitar playing, um, just kind of the music that I like listening to. Um, yeah, I think it, I think uh, it's very representative of that. And I remember the first time I heard Pinback, um, I was, I was at a house I used to live at in Pittsburgh, which is, which was a show venue. Um, when I first lived there, it was called Bates Hardcore Gym. It's now gone through many name changes. It was Bossing Say for a little while. And now what's the name of it now? Those are all uh, such on-brand DIY venue spaces. Like, I'm glad oh, yeah. that they went straight textbook on those. Those sound like – that sounds like a <laughs> building that I want to see a show in immediately. Exactly, exactly. Oh, now it's called Glove World. Fantastic. Perfect. Fantastic. Perfect. That's what we need <laughs> as we hopefully soon enter a post-COVID universe. I want more DIY venues naming themselves places like Glove World. I think that would be just phenomenal <laughs> for the scene. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, so you hear Pinback. Yeah, so I heard Pinback at, at my old house, Bates Hardcore Gym, um, when uh, it was – there was a time that I think Prince Daddy and the Hyena and Posture and the Grizzly were doing a tour together. And I think they had played at Bates Hardcore Gym and crashed the night. And it was the next day. We were all just hanging out in the living room. And, and Jordan from Posture and the Grizzly puts on Pinback. And he's like, oh, man, have you guys ever heard, ever heard this? Have you guys ever heard this band? You know, I said, I said, no, like they're one, they're one of those bands that I'd always heard the name of, but had never really dove into, into them. Um, but then within, uh, you know, a track or two of, you know, hearing, hearing Pinback, I was like, wow, this is super up my alley. Really nice, like easy grooving rhythms, um, kind of sparse instrumentation. You know, this is this is really good. And then I can, I think that he played a different album for me at that time. I think he had, though, I don't know. Yeah. I think he might've played blue screen life or summer in Abaddon, but, um, pretty soon after it was probably even later that day, I, um, listened to the self-titled and, and I decided that this one was my favorite, but I do like tons of their other records too. Yeah, so let's dive into this first track. Tripoli is how we kick things off. Having never heard this album before and hearing this song, I was so excited because I thought you had introduced me to a band that was part Modest Mouse and part Incubus. 
because this first song has like really strong Pacific Northwest vibes to it. Um, although they're a band based in San Diego, and then about halfway through the song, we get some record scratching coming in, and there's uh, some sort of DJ element to it that I am unironically a giant fan of, and yes. I was hoping that would continue throughout the entire album. It did not, <laughs> which is a bummer, but I'm a huge fan of the way that this first track kicked off the album. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I think it, it really, really sets the tone for the album. Um, and just like that, yeah, I don't know. There's so there's so many different things I like about it. But yeah, you're totally right. It's got that scratching, which is kind of interesting. They, um, on a couple different of their records, I think they, on a couple other of their records, I think they put that in into, they do a lot of like, um, like sound samples, um, kind of different, different stuff like that, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. It's uh it's something that even happens on this record. I know lyrically, like you had mentioned, it's a really sparse album in terms of instrument instrumentation. And a lot of the lyrics are repeating and, and maybe not overbearing to an extent, but they certainly drive the point home in the lines in this song, sad, I'm going to die. Hope it's going to happen later, later than I think. Uh, that's a line that really jumped out at me as again, to reference the Pacific Northwest sound that will, it will come up a few times as we break this down, but there was just something about this sound and I don't mean this in a morbid way or a callous way. And I don't even think this is a particularly sad album, but there's something about this that is almost inviting death into your mind frame. And I was beginning to become very existential every time I listen to this record. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, because I think that there's a definite darkness in their music. Um, you know, even on a track like this, that is like, you know, pretty like down tempo um, and like easygoing, you know, you can bob your head to it. I think it's definitely a theme. There's there's a certain heaviness that the tracks on this album have kind of a, a darkness. Well, I think and that's, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly the word is the heaviness. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just love those vocal melodies like the they have the they do something so like that I absolutely love, which is they have um, like counter melodies. They have like the main melody. Then they have someone doing, you know, not nec- not harmonies. They're just doing an entire other melody in the back background. So I think in the chorus, you know, it's like the no, it's gonna happen. But then in the background, they have like the like that's just so cool it's just so cool yeah it's a really unique sound i think saying it's so cool is actually the perfect way to sum that up because it's you know this album represents really the first wave of i think indie rock and if it's not for a band like pinback I don't think a band like Modest Mouse, to mention them again, goes on to have the commercial success they did. And then, you know, you have your mid-2000s boom of your arcade fires and whatnot that are able to expand this sound into greater successes. But that's not to knock Pinback, because I think this record sets the tone for a lot of what was to come for really the next decade in, in, in indie rock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that.
go on to Hurley. Thank God we are not talking about the Weezer album. We are talking about <laughs> the Pinback song. Uh, another really strong one, this, to me, you mentioned samples earlier. This actually samples a Minutemen song. It's expected I'm gone. The drum sample is featured here. What are your thoughts on track two? Oh, no way. That's that's really cool that you found that out because I, I had no idea that that's what that sampled. Um Track two is really cool. I've always thought that this song is really neat. I love the drum beat, and I've always just really liked... Um, I've never sat down to figure out that guitar part, but I'm pretty sure it's in an open tuning, just listening to it. Um, but I've just loved how melodic that guitar, that acoustic guitar part is, um, and just how, how good it sounds. Um, yeah, I mean, that's always the thing that grabs me about this song, like... I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to listen to that song with that really, really nice, pretty open guitar part with a nice, like, in-the-pocket, laid-back drum beat behind it. It's so in-the-pocket. One of my favorite terms in music is when things are kept in the pocket. I completely oh, agree. Yes. <laughs> love, love when things stay in the pocket. Uh, Hurley is another one. You mentioned the way the vocals are are layered on top of each other and to an extent competing with each other in the opening song. And I think here... It continues uh, the trend of layers, and I was really surprised at, although it's sparse lyrically and instrumentally, it feels very full, and I know I'm talking in contradictions here, but there's not... it's a complete vision and I really enjoy that about this entire record and I think this song is a great example of that yeah definitely I think this song is pretty representative of a lot of other songs in on the record in the sense that there's a pretty melodic uh main riff or verse part but there's a change in it that you know either sounds more minor or is minor that kind of brings in that heaviness. And I think that's very evident in early. Yeah, and then from there, track three, Charborg. for whatever reason struck a really personal chord with me because you know the song opens up and it's saying stuff you know if you if you ask me to fly I would do so if you ask me to climb I would do so uh, if you ask me to shine I would do so and if you ask me to dance I would do so and for whatever reason I once again became very introspective and it was a weird uh, sort of illuminating vision on like oh there are Uh, particularly at least for me there are women in this world that if they were to ask me to do something I would immediately do it no questions asked and I realized that is probably not a healthy mindset for me (laughs) but I was going like yeah no you know I consider myself to be somewhat of a strong-minded individual but when a pretty girl comes into my sight lines you know I, I suddenly become very weak and very willing to do whatever they need me to do yeah absolutely I think that that sentiment is really sweet and i think that a lot of people can probably identify that you know anybody with a partner or someone that they feel you know strongly about um yeah i i would be surprised if this song wouldn't resonate with them i think musically this song's really interesting too when i was 
kind of listening to it with a a little more of a critical ear, you know, I kind of started to realize that the song, I mean, it's obviously very slow, very down tempo, almost felt a little slow Corey to me, um, which I don't really, I don't know if Finback does that, does that too often, but it, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was cool. So you're obviously, you know, a few weeks away now from releasing an album. Let me ask you, when you're in the studio, when when you're creating music, an album like this that you hold so dearly, are you maybe reaching towards an album like this for inspiration or are you trying to avoid it in fear that you might copy some of these sounds intentionally or unintentionally? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, it's... um it's always a balance, you know, trying to take your influences to heart, but not, um, you know, plaster them all over your record and make it super obvious where they're coming from. Um, I'd like to think that we, you know, stand somewhere in the middle. I think that, you know, I, I, we've talked about it before. And I think one of the things that we always try to bring up is that we try to do something different and did, you know, try to, not set out to make something that sounds like something else. I think, um, you know, it's actually interesting that we're talking about pinback right now because, um, it's something that, something that we did when we first started the, started the band is we would have things that we would jam on and we would say, and so many other people in bands probably do this too, is we had, you know, we would have a song and we'd, you know, we would be jamming this song for a little while. You need something to call it. Okay, let's call this song, you know, Weezer Jam, because it sounds like Weezer. We had a song called Pinback because we thought it sounded like Pinback, and it did. But, you know, and obviously that was just the working title. Um, but we did that so much, and then we realized that what we were doing was pretty counterproductive to our idea of having a unique sound because anytime we bring up this song, we're immediately, you know, uh, bringing up, you know, notions of another band. And that's something that when we realized we were doing it, we were like, Oh, you know, we probably shouldn't name songs after bands or give them working titles like this. If what we truly want to do is to make something that we think is unique we'll have to make more of an active effort to actually do that. Yeah, I find myself when I'm working in creative spaces and and when the world is not ending, I I do live comedy in Chicago and it it is exactly that it is a balance because I find myself uh, becoming very inspired by certain comedians or certain artists. Uh, but if I catch myself almost in the honeymoon phase of that artist, I start just aping whatever they're doing, and it becomes just the light version, the diet version of whatever comedian I like. And I just, you know, for bands, I think music, uh, not to go Chuck Klosterman and say music exists, but music is such a fabric of our lives. It is a daily institution for so many people. And I've always been curious about how bands navigate those issues because for as comforting as it is to might hear a pinback song with things are tough you don't want that to suddenly seep into your riffs and seep into your lyrics right yeah exactly exactly it's that it's a difficult balancing act but i mean it i mean it's it's great like obviously what you listen to is going to influence what you're what you're writing and what you're working on um but i think yeah i think part of it is just knowing when you might be crossing the line (laughs) 
chaos engine is what follows I will I will be honest if there is a song on this album that I am going to skip it is chaos energy tell me whether I'm right or wrong I will tell you that you are 100% right oh I needed that validation this is I I was thinking about what I was gonna do when we got and I think all I all I want to say is that this is the weird one. <laughs> this is the weird one on the album. <laughs> that is, but I mean, it's it's cool. It's cool. Like, for, you know, from the beginning, the song pretty much, you know, has me with the, you know, repeat, you know, re- repetitive bassline and guitar riff, and you know that that classic, you know, soft pinbag vocal melody. Um, but where they kind of lose me on this one is the, uh, line, push the little baby down the spiral stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, there is art that is fun to make and there is art that is fun to consume. And I'm sure this was a fun song to make. I'm sure the jam leading up to it was terrific. It is not a pleasurable experience listening to it per se. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, you know, there are things to be, you know, to appreciate about it, you know. Um, And I think that if someone is listening to the album, they should listen to this song at least once. But, uh, yeah, you know. I definitely understand where you're coming from. It's the weird one. Oh, yeah. It's It's the the weird weird one. one. I think you summed it up perfectly. Yeah, it's the weird one. But, yeah, there's cool stuff going on, you know, just kind of poking around at it now, you know, thinking about some of those electronic drum samples and stuff. Uh, There's some cool stuff going on, but, yeah, it's it's the weird one. is what follows i think this one equally as weird but maybe a little bit more digestible we get a very oh you know what so this is the song with the baby ah line. yes it is you're right Th- this is the song with the baby line so sorry about no, that. no no it's okay it happens to the best of us so <laughs> so this one i will say i actually i don't mind this and and you had me second guessing myself for a second because i was like wait a minute is the baby song the one i like which is not a question i've ever asked myself yeah. before uh but it's a question i'm asking myself now i like i don't know where you stand maybe it's sacrilege in your mind the band The Doors, I can't stand them. I am not yeah. a fan of what The Doors bring to the table. To me, this was like a good version of a Doors song, which I didn't know was out there because there's an organ on this. It's, you know, it, it veers into spooky, weird, creepy territory, which I'm not crazy about. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I did not mind Shag as a song, although it's, your point still stands. It is a weird one. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's one of the most interesting things about pinback for me and like that's kind of one of the things that keeps me going back to them is that they really do push you as the listener um into some pretty uncomfortable places sometimes um not necessarily always lyrically but i think yeah i think sonically for sure they you know it's that heaviness that we talked about it's the it's the minor chords it's 
yeah, they make you feel pretty strange sometimes. Can and you, I think the sh- I think Shag is a good uh, example of that. Can you talk to me as a musician about wanting to change your sound up? Because just to reference a band who I love, who has put out stuff on Lauren Records, which is the same record label that's putting out your new album, a band like AJJ. I love that band to death. They've been in my life for years now. I think the world of them. There is a large contingent of their fan base that just wants to hear uh, songs like Brave as a Noun and Survival Song, the folk punk AJJ sound. They want another 10 albums of that, and they want that to be the only sound they ever have. And in recent years, they've gone uh, towards a power pop, really sort of electronic sound that I'm into as well, but I see where the fan base has split in two. As a musician, what is motivating you to change your sound if you know, at least to some extent, something is working for the fan base? I, you know, I think it's just that you don't want to, you know, I think I kind of think of the music that I'm writing in it, you know, in albums, it's like, I want to change from album to album. I definitely think that there's a lot to be said about like finding your sound and finding what works for you. But I think that I think that any good band should change their should change their sound from album to album if if they want to. Um, But that's something that I think that we as a band, you know, are definitely very interested in. We definitely have conversations about like, you know, oh, it'd be sweet if we put out like an electronic album or like we have this idea of making like an evil same EP where it's like pretty abrasive or like hardcore or something. You know, it's like I think it's that's the kind of stuff that's like fun about being in a band to me. It's like not necessarily taking yourself so seriously where you're like not afraid to make a change or like do something that might put people out of their comfort zone. Please run towards that idea of making a same hardcore album. Just as someone that has heard the new record, I (laughs) would love that 180. I would love the next album to be a complete, and I love the new album. I would love a complete detachment of, oh, this band went hardcore all of a sudden. That, That would be fascinating in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I think that that's one of the most fascinating things that bands can do. Like, I think a band that we talk about a lot is Ceremony, and, like, they change massively from album. It is an insane transition hearing Ceremony's first album to what they put out last year, which was one of my favorite albums of the entire year. Speak on Ceremony a little bit and just the way they've changed. Yeah, I mean, just going from, uh, you know, skate punk, hardcore roots to... Uh, electronic or you know sounding I, I don't know they've, they've just gone through so many so many different changes yeah um, I mean they're a, a bridge nine hardcore band that is violent to a degree and I don't think violent is is personifying it in any way I mean it's just you listen to it and you're if, even if you're a mild-mannered person I think you'd have to be filled with some sort of rage whether it's at yourself or at some societal rage and then the album they put out last year is like a Joy Division album I mean it's it's unbelievable right. in the way they've changed it it's been a fascinating evolution to watch and I think that is exactly what you're hitting on. I can say this just as a consumer of a lot of music. It's really fun to see a band take a swing and to have success with it. For them to hit a home run with a new sound, a new idea, a new dynamic, much like the band Ceremony, it's a thrill to watch if you're a fan of the band. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
And it's easy to see how it can be very divisive. From there, we go to Lion, a song that, and it will be the last time I reference this band, I promise, but if I would have closed my eyes not knowing that this was a pinback song, I would have thought it was a Modest Mouse song. point in the album I'm really feeling it and I'm becoming very in tune with my pinback self which is something that I did not know I had that's real that's really cool to hear uh because I don't think that they're necessarily the most accessible band but I think when you do kind of think of them through that like modest mouse kind of lens um I think that there's yeah definitely a lot of similarities to be drawn for sure I've always thought that Leon's a really cool song on the album. Like that um that organ part is really really neat when it comes in and yeah, just a, I think it's a beautiful track. The organ on the song as you said, it's beautiful. There's a line towards the end of the song uh, that I I really I, I don't know what to make of it other than the fact that I know I like it in that line. I wish that you were here. We'd have a tea party to celebrate, drive a cop car into the lake, hold our breath for two long, boring days. I don't know what to make of that other than I, I find it to be very poetic and in a weird abstract way. I found that line perhaps more than any other lyric in this album to be very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really great lyric. I'm, I'm really happy that you pointed that one out. Cause I think that, I think that with a lot of their lyrics, they do kind of, they're definitely not afraid to dip into that abstract realm. And I think that's really cool when you give the listener something, you know, kind of more room for their own interpretation. You mentioned accessibility. I think this next track, Loro, is the most accessible one on the album. a sort of bounciness and a groove to this that has made the song stuck in my head for about three days now yes yeah this is like this is like the pinback track that a lot of people will listen that a lot of people will think about or listen to um i mean there's other ones for sure but yeah i mean this is pretty much just as classic pinback as it gets you know incredibly easy head bobbing down tempo very simple in the pocket drums very catchy vocal melody i mean there's it's so melodic there's just there's really nothing not to like here (laughs) that's the thing i feel like and i am very rarely in my friend group given aux chord privileges because whatever i put on because my my idea of fun would be putting on like an early ceremony track and the people (laughs) just in the room not getting it at all which is their loss but you know that's fine but i feel like this one you could put on and it is 
it is exactly what I said at the at the top. It is you know accessible. And there's just, you know, as we live in a world full of vibe checks and vibing out, I feel like this song passes any vibe check you could run by it. It is so just soothing to have wash over you. Absolutely. I could not agree more. This song 100% passes the vibe check. And I, I highly recommend it to anybody trying to get into Pinback. This is a really good one. the starting point and then from there you move into Crutch which is a song that I I really found to be uh, I guess inquisitive or challenging this is the one song that I was really thinking a lot about because I think as I can say this as a consumer a lot of the music that I have held dear in my life whether it is a modern baseball or a law dispute I, I hold those bands in such high esteem because they have represented transitional phases in my life and they have become the soundtracks for me hoping to become somebody new somebody better whatever it may be and this felt like a song that was speaking to that transitional phase and I don't know if you picked up on that at all but it was a song that has just it has made me think a lot about myself yeah, absolutely. This is this is one of my favorite tracks on the album. I I mean for a multitude of reasons, but yeah, I mean just thinking about try you know just trying to think about what you said and you know in reference to the lyrics, um, I think that there's definitely a lot to be said there. This this track is always really interesting to me. Um, sonically, I love the falsetto vocals. I've always thought it was a really interesting choice on this one to have the deep synth bass as the, uh, there might be a bass track as well going, but that super crunchy, deep, like sub bass as the driving force of this song is really, really cool. Yeah, and, that, that sort of sits there, and it creates a really interesting atmosphere for the way this song is kind of structured around it. Yeah, definitely, because it's so it's like you have that main part of the song with the fuzz bass, and everything's pretty minor key, everything's pretty kind of like solemn and driving, and then the chorus hits, and it's very melodic, almost kind of sounds like there's that like uh, synth there's that synth that almost sounds like toyish, like it's just kind of almost like a kazoo or something. So it's like that juxtaposition of, you know, the darkness and the light again. Well, this back half of the album, and I think it starts with Lauro, you start to see the band, I guess, experiment, not even instrumentally, but more so just with sound, because like in in Lauro, you've got that kind of squeakiness, that I've really only heard in Nirvana's Drain You. It's just a squeak that is pleasant, but also makes my skin crawl. It is a little bit of a nails on a chalkboard thing. And then that that bass that you mentioned, I couldn't exactly put my finger on it as I was listening to it, but then you, being a musician, being smarter than me, were able to immediately illuminate what that was. Yeah, it's uh, an album that I think kind of shifts tone here and... Uh, 
although there's a beauty in these songs that are to come, I think it hits a bit of a darker tone. And, I, and you know, we are living in the time period we're living in. How are you dealing with consuming content in your quarantine state? Are you turning for maybe more depressive works? Or are you trying to find stuff that builds you up? Or is it not really something that's factoring in your mind? You know, I... I can't say that I'm necessarily leaning towards one uh, type of music, really. But I mean, if anything, I think just for whatever reason, it just this the quarantine has just made me really kind of fall back in love with music in a lot of ways. Like, I think when I was when I was working, you know, it's I very much was like listening to tons of podcasts and stuff and hadn't really had too much time to explore or, or, you know, really just kind of listen to and appreciate music. But I feel like since all of this started, it's almost like every song just hits a little differently. And I'm just kind of gleaming that little bit more of, of joy um, or, you know, taking whatever it is, you know, whether it be like, you know, just appreciating a guitar tone or something I feel like I've started to do that for whatever reason. Yeah, I think we ultimately, uh, at least I hope most of us are, are able to find comfort in something. And I think for you and me both, we've shifted back into music, just having time on my hands, being able to deep dive into more albums like Pinback Self-Titled Album. It has been a real pleasure, much like this next song, Versailles. If there's a if there's a pretty song on the album, I think this is the one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the piano ballad, right? Yes, yes it is. Yeah. Yeah, this one's really cool. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And that chorus, you know, it just it's a really really emotional track. Yeah, and it's in this sort of build here, because I think we can talk about the next song, Rougeau as well. Which is also built off of a piano and I, you know, I mentioned those darker themes just a minute ago, and I think this song is one that I I struggled with because a lot of this, a lot of these lyrics are abstract, and I think you can kind of build your own journey out of it. This is the one where they're talking about the red wire and the black wire and the indistinct color and the drones are near. Yes, I. I, for me, it drifted into like sci-fi and a little bit of dork rock. And for me, it was not doing it. But then it comes back around. And I think instrumentally, it's one of the prettier songs on the record. And by the end of it, I, I was like, you know, kind of hating the beginning, but loving the end. I didn't know what to make of the song. Yeah, definitely. Because this is one of those ones that kind of takes a takes a turn towards the end. 
I think it's a far more narrative-based song uh, than maybe any of the others on the album, just because it, it seems like they're attempting to tell some sort of a direct story, but I was yeah. unsure of what that story was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it really is kind of like sci-fi, dystopian, yeah. Yeah. Talks of Cleophis. Exactly. And we don't have a lot of that of the scene right now. Um, I didn't pick up on any Cleophis references in your album, and maybe I'm just not listening close enough. But it yeah. does seem like something that is absent from the current indie rock scene. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When Same does their hardcore album, maybe after that you guys can do your rock opera and talk about Cleophis all you want. I think yeah. I can't co-sign that one, but you guys have every right to do it. Yeah, it'll be time then. <laughs> is what's next up this is a slow song on an album of slow songs at this point we're 11 songs deep and uh, there was nothing maybe offensive is not the right word there was nothing wrong with this song but every time i would get to it i was like i i feel like i need i need something more here and byzantine maybe wasn't offering that up for me yeah totally yeah you know in a song, in an album of mid-tempo, bass-driven songs, this is definitely one of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think it's it's interesting because it's like this song is. I was I was listening to the album earlier today, and this is another one that gets really pretty towards the end, and I think that that's that's kind of a theme with pinback is I think at the beginning and maybe even into the middle of the song, you might be a little skeptical. Um, you know, it might be a little off putting, but I think more often than not with their tracks, you know, by the time you get to the end, you're just, yeah, it's, you're going to be kind of overcome by the layers that come in or the, the heaviness or the emotion. And I, I feel that when I listen to this song, by the end, I feel like I've, you know, gotten to the end of a journey. Yeah. And then from there, we transition to the end of a journey, the final song on the album. I echo my thoughts from the prior song as well. It's slow. I felt like at this point it would have been very interesting had it gone up-tempo or had we had some sort of major sonic change, but throughout this album, it's not like there's any duds here, with the exception of maybe, you know, uh, a Chaos Engine, which I wasn't crazy about. It's a very pretty song that sits there and is a nice album track. I will give it that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think with these songs that might not necessarily be ones that you want to pick out to listen to, 
or throw on your playlist. Uh, but I think that it's like, I think that this song is a really good end of the album and it, it really incorporates a lot of other themes and instruments, you know, found on the earlier tracks. Yeah, and I think that is exactly a, a great way of encapsulating this record as we hit the end of it, is for me, a first-time listener, there are going to be songs from this album that I will implement into future playlists that I will take with me as I you know, move about my life. The opening track and Lion and Loro and Crutch, I think the Lion, Loro, Crutch trio is a really strong trio of songs there. If you're looking to dive in, I think you yes. can get maybe the the full pinback experience with those three songs. And from there, you can dive in a little bit deeper. But, you know, an album of 12 songs, if I have four that I really, really like, I consider that to be a success. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. I, I'm curious because I actually hadn't noticed that there were two different versions of the record. I wonder, like a 12 song and a 10 song, I wonder which songs they cut on the 10 song version. So the, the original release was 10 songs and it lacked Versailles and Byzantine. And then those would later appear on the reissue that was put out. Ah, sure. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I, yeah. Yeah, because I kind of see Versailles as an almost as kind of a pivotal point in that album almost you know i feel like when i because when i hit that that piano song versailles it's i'm like oh man i'm i'm like at this part in the album i'm almost done you know but that's interesting that that wasn't on there originally i think the album would certainly be lacking a little bit of depth had that not been included and i think just instrumentally it gives the album another layer to play with and thematically it gives the album more legs to stand on and so i'm glad that we listened to the 12 song version and i'm glad that we were able to talk about pinback self-titled album upon release it was given a 7.2 by pitchfork you now have the, the floor to please rate this album out of 10 if you'd like sure um well that's pretty that's a pretty good rating for pitchfork standards oh absolutely i mean there's no fiona apple but pinback's not doing <laughs> too bad no definitely not I would say for me, I'm going to give this album an 8.5. You know, it's uh, it's definitely up there for me. If I'm, you know, it's definitely my favorite pinback album. I think that there's a lot of really, really good things going on. Um, and I think that there's there's a lot to be got to take away from this album. I think especially for any fans of Modest Mouse, like you were saying, I think that this album would be really right up their alley. Well, I think that might have even answered my follow-up question of who needs to hear this album and why. Other than Modest Mouse fans, is there anyone that you think, think back to the first time you heard this album, who needs Pinback's self-titled album in their life right now? Yeah, anybody who anybody who wants to, anybody who's a fan of vibing out, chilling <laughs> maxing out and passing vibe checks yeah, yeah um i think any i think that anybody who is looking to get a little introspective too would also gain a lot from this album because it really is you know it it'll take you you know it it'll 
take you on a ride of, you know, easy head bobbing, you know, head bobbing tracks that you're just going to want to listen to on loop, but it's also got that darkness. And, and I think that that's, uh, I think that it's a really cool vibe on an album that isn't recreated in a lot of ways. I think that's all you can ask for, something to bob bob your head to, vibe out to. I think those are strong seals of approval. Jake, we have hit the end of the show. I know you have an album coming out soon. Why don't you tell the people about that album and where they can find it when it's released? Yes. Uh, so the album is called Plastic Western. It comes out on May 8th. Um, all of us in the band are really, really excited about it because we have been working on putting out our debut LP since 2015 when we first started jamming. And so all I can ask is that you'll listen to the album when it comes out. Uh, you can get, uh, cassettes and merch at Lauren records uh, website. I think it's Lauren dash records.com or just, uh, just search it. Um, you can find us on Twitter at same PGH or Instagram at same band. Um, yeah, look out for the album. We have another, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out, but we also have another song coming out, uh, next week that we're recording. I think that's comes out on the 31st of April. Um, so look out for that as well. And then the full album will come out on the 8th. You nailed the URL. It is Lauren, uh, hyphen records.com a trustworthy record label i i they are one of the labels it's them and asian man and run for cover and bridge nine where they're going to put their seal of approval on an album and on a band i am going to check that out and i encourage everybody else to do the same for the band same Jake, thank you for coming on the Art School Albums podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Case Low, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. And you can follow the podcast itself on Instagram at Art School Albums. Until next time, this has been Pinback's self-titled album. I thank you for listening to the Art School Albums podcast.